2: Welcome back to the Banners broadcast. I'm your host, Chris Grenham, and on today's show, we'll welcome in Andrew Doxie of CelticsBlog.com to discuss the Celtics' recent two game losing streak following their eight game winning streak. The Celtics dropped Wednesday night's game at TD Garden to the Phoenix Suns after Aaron Baines went down two minutes into the first quarter. He'll miss the next four to six weeks following hand surgery that he had on Thursday. Doxie and I will discuss everything from the Celtics' thin front court to where they go from here. Jalen Brown's role going forward over the next month or so, the Celtics' upcoming schedule, and, of course, Time Lord. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at 1in100. 1 go to 1in100.co for your chance to win killer Patriots, Celtics, Bruins tickets, concerts throughout New England, whatever you can think of. And your first entry is free. Why not go enter to try and win tickets to tonight's game, Bucks, Celtics, TD Garden, to No Braider? Go over to one in One Hundred. Dot C-O. That's one in one hundred co. Now we welcome on Andrew Doxie of Celticsblog.com. Doxie, thanks for coming on with me on this wonderful Friday morning. I appreciate you getting up.
1: Hi, hey, hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no problem, man. So so obviously Wednesday night, Aaron Baines, two minutes into the first quarter. He goes down. Turns out he's going to be out. Shams Sarania got the scoop. Like, weirdly quick. It was like we saw Baines (laughs) go into the locker room, and I swear to God 30 seconds later it was on Twitter that, yeah, he had a broken hand. It's like, was he – I don't know if he was at TD Garden, but it was pretty bizarre how quickly he was able to get that scoop. I don't don't know how he did that. But, of course, that's a big loss. The Celtics were already thin in their front court with Al Horford missing the last six games. He'll miss his seventh tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks, who have that guy named Giannis who's pretty big, and so they'll struggle – you know, any team with a decent front court struggles to guard him. So, what do you see? Let's first start with that. What do you see tonight against the Bucks? Who do you see matching up with Giannis, and and how do you think the Celtics front court is going to handle that?
1: Uh, I think we're going to go to a lot of Shemi, because shemi uh, has been he's had a lot of success guarding Giannis, and by success mm-hmm. I mean not letting him get a forty point triple double. That's <laughs> pretty much all you can that's hope success. for. Yeah, <laughs> um, I am a little concerned because the last game against the Bucks, which was uh, it was it was mostly tight for the it was tight for the most part, but the reason why I felt we were so successful in that game was because we ran the Al Horford, Kyrie Irving pick and pop to death, and Brook Lopez just couldn't guard Al Horford in that situation. So I'm a little worried about how we're gonna just maneuver this game without Al Horford. But and another thing I'm worried about is Daniel Tice getting into foul trouble because with just him and and uh, and Rob Williams, Time Lord. Um, it's if if any of them get into foul trouble, we're kind of in a bad spot. Yeah, so,
2: yeah. I, you know, i hope- that th- that thin that thin front court creates a lot of problems because you're right. Once you get into depth, then you can end up going really small really quickly. I was looking at a couple groups just in terms of lineups without without Baines and Horford, and I wrote a I wrote a piece for Celtics blog that's coming out this afternoon before the Bucks game, but. One of the groups that was kind of interesting, I'll get your thoughts on it, was Gordon Hayward, Semi Ojale, and then Smart, Rosier, and Tice. Obviously, it's kind of a mixed bag there. It's it's a little weird because there's no Kyrie. But they have the best in terms of groups without Baines and Horford and lineups that have played over 10 minutes. They've got the best net rating. Uh, they're at 71, I think it was. Um, and if you replace Smart and Ojale with... Jalen Brown and Morris in the same lineup the numbers fall but it's not really that drastic so if you do see Shemmy playing against Giannis like you said which is pretty likely do you think they'll leave him out there for a lot of different rotations like a like a lineup with Hayward and and Rozier and Tice
1: I think you kind of have to because yeah uh I mean Morris does a decent job guarding Giannis and you know as good as you can do basically yeah um I don't think Hayward is up to that challenge at this point in the season um Jalen is kind of struggling on both ends so and and, you know you I I wouldn't want to put Tatum on on Giannis just because like we're going to need Tatum's offense pretty badly so I don't want to even risk the foul trouble aspect of it for him so I think Shemi is the kind of guy he might even start tonight I don't know I haven't really put much thought into the starting lineup but I would want to put Shemi as much as possible on Giannis just so that even if Shemi gets in the foul trouble, we get to use his full six fouls.
2: Right, yeah. And, and you make a good point about Marcus Morris. He's pretty good on the defensive end against a guy like Giannis, as good as you can be. Uh, he's expected to return tonight. Danny Ainge said yesterday morning that he expects him to play. And and when uh, when Mook spoke before Wednesday night's game uh, in the locker room, he did say that he doesn't expect to be out very long and he should be good to go tonight. So that could be a pretty good factor in terms of defending Giannis as much as you can. In terms of starting lineups, I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if Shemi does get the start. Of course, Brad Stevens will be as coy as, as he possibly can. He'll <laughs> wait until the last possible 25-minute mark to to release that starting lineup. But back to the front court here, naturally the, the two options that come up are Robert Williams and Daniel Tice. And of course, Williams is you know, the fan favorite. Everyone loves Time Lord. But I, I don't know exactly where Brad Stevens is going to go because Williams did play more minutes than Tice on Wednesday night. But in my opinion, I think Tice offers a little more flexibility on both sides of the ball. Where do you see them going over the next couple weeks? Because I don't see Al Horford coming back, at least for another week or two. So where do you think he's going to turn to, or do you think they'll be a relatively balanced attack between those two guys?
1: Yeah, I I'm hoping that Horford can be back by Tuesday against the 76ers mm-hmm. cuz otherwise MB's going to foul out like six of our guys in the first sure. half.
2: Yeah.
1: Um like I said foul trouble is probably my biggest concern cuz right now per 36 minutes Daniel Tice is averaging 7.4 fouls, which is like that's quite bad yeah. if you ask me. Yeah. Um <laughs> and and it seems like it seems like a lot of his fouls are just like it, a lot of them don't look like fouls to me. I feel like he's just in the bad place at the wrong time, in terms of the referee's point of view. Um, so maybe that changes as referees keep in mind the situation. Not that referees are going to be biased or anything, but like you know, maybe they won't have as tight a whistle, which is what I, I would hope for. I think that they're going to go with Tice more at first, just because like we know what he can give us. He had a really strong rookie campaign, but I, I am hoping that brad has a longer leash in terms of what to expect from rob williams because it looks like um because rob williams is a rookie so when when he has a bad two or three possession stretch he's gonna get put on the bench so he can get feedback for it and and so he doesn't keep hurting the team um so i'm hoping that williams can step up but in terms of minutes i think Tice is definitely gonna get the, the lion's share at first i uh, would we'll probably see around like 30 for him <clears throat> excuse me um and I'm hoping that Rob Williams can step up if Tice can't. You know, yeah, stay. and all, and also, you know, I don't, I don't know how long uh, Gershon Abatele is going to be out too, but he might be able to help whenever he's back from his ankle injury.
2: Yeah, Sneaky, he was not on the injury report yesterday, and I don't know if that was a mistake or not because I didn't expect him to come back this soon because that was a pretty nasty right. ankle sprain that he suffered in Chicago, but. He wasn't on that normally if they make an if the Celtics make a mistake on the injury report normally they will correct that but they right. didn't yesterday so that's a good point he can help out in that front court situation too. Uh, I do agree with William leash. I mean that's just that comes with every young guy. He's 21 years old. So right. that's going to happen. Um but the part that concerns me about Williams' game right now is just he's he's extremely one-dimensional, and I'm not knocking him for that because that's expected with his age. And, and he's, a, he's a raw talent right now. He's a freak athlete. So he prevents a great lob threat with any good ball handler in any sort of pick-and-roll set. But when he gets the ball in a non-pick-and-roll set about 18 to 20 feet out, I said it on, on CLNS's garden report the other night. He kind of looks like that kid on a basketball court, when he gets the ball, he gets like, kind of really nervous, and he goes into that three-point stance and he sticks his elbows out. He doesn't really know what he's doing. So it's, yeah. it, it's almost like he's really reliant on those sets, and when he gets something outside of it, he doesn't he doesn't really know where to go with the ball. So I think that's the biggest advantage with Tice is just that he's multidimensional. You're not going to rely on him to shoot the outside shot consistently. He does, but I think he's shooting like 35% from three, and, and he can work in the, in the mid-range game, but I, I don't think he'll take as many threes as baines had been before he left but do you see him being pretty entice Im- uh being pretty impactful on the on the boards because his numbers haven't been staggering on the glass but he's gonna have to focus on that with no with no aaron baines
1: yeah um he actually is like last year he grabbed a total of 274 rebounds and this mm-hmm. year he has, he's at 72 through a third of the of, of the season so he's, I, he's at a right lower. Direction. Yeah. Yeah. And you know he's had inconsistent minutes and in a couple of DNP's early in the season. So like, he, but he's getting the same amount of minutes per game. So it is kind of concerning his rebounding dropping by like almost a full rebound per game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know whether I haven't like delved into whether that's more of a positioning thing or if it's more of you know other guys stepping up on the bench because t- you know Terry Rozier is always going to get a couple of those rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's more of a film thing that I have to go back and look at. I I mean, after seeing what happened to us against Phoenix, um, it, it is a concern. Which is, again, I'm already having nightmares about Tuesday's matchup with Philly just, be, just <laughs> for that reason. Um, we, and I feel like Robert Williams is better at Tice in terms of securing rebounds for the team, at least. Yeah, definitely. yeah, maybe maybe that's because he he's a stronger, younger, more athletic guy. But from a, from a scheme wise, it just seems that we get more rebounds when Robert Williams is on the court. So that's something that like I'm concerned with with the starting lineup because I'm, I'm pretty sure Tice is going to start um, for most matchups at least. I uh, so.
2: yeah, I, I would I would agree with you there. I think in at least in my I haven't really dove too deep into film in terms of Tice, but when I did look at it, there was a lot of a lot of sets where he he's involved in a lot of high ball screen uh, yeah. action, which of course is going to bring him away from the hoop. I mean that's it's tough to dominate the glass when you're up above the break but I'm sure that will change without Baines it, it, it has to you know but uh but yeah I think you're right obviously they're they're better on the glass with Robert Williams in there and he just creates mismatches for a lot of big guys because his athleticism can simply beat people the balls when when it's yeah. it, off the glass changing gears a little bit here there's been a lot of back and forth about jalen brown recently i'm gonna put leave this pretty simply right now where do you stand with jb right now there's a lot of there's a lot of hate and a lot of defending at least on on twitter right now with the Celtics swing so where do you stand he's kind of in a in a weird spot right now
1: i'm in the jalen brown respecters camp I like <laughs> so i like that i'm yeah. with you because i mean at the end of the day i'm gonna i'm gonna trust that the the really like he played what 90 95 games last season yeah and I'm gonna I'm gonna trust that season where he he took off as opposed to a 20 game sample this season. Like I like that. That's fair. I I do think it's weird that basically this year is what I would have expected last year, and last year is what I would have expected this year. That's so really good way to look at it. Yeah, because like it, it, this year is a typical sophomore slump, except he's a junior or a third year player, I guess if you want to go by NBA terms. So it's 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 just odd. I I did. Anticipate that he would have the hardest adjustment coming into the season because he was essentially the first and second option in the playoffs. But you know with Jason Tatum, and he goes from that to being essentially fourth in the starting, at least to start the season, he was fourth in the starting lineup behind Kyrie, or, uh, Tatum, and, and Hayward. So it, it's it's a big adjustment to having the ball touch your hands and and making plays, you know, every play as opposed to you know sitting in the corner sometimes and all that. I think that when he first started coming off the bench and was ultra-aggressive off the bench, I I thought that that was, like, the perfect role for him. And I think now, like, he still gets that, but now he's just in a regular slump. It just looks bad when juxtaposed with the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, I think that in, in the current situation, it makes it look worse. I agree. And, of course, people overreact on Twitter and that sort of thing. So, But that, right. that second unit when he can come in, be aggressive, and get to the rim. You know, initially, early on in the season, he was getting to the rim, but he wasn't. He wasn't finishing, and I mean that's his strength. If he could put the ball on the floor, he's not the greatest dribbler. But if he can get to the rim, that's his strength. Rather than early on in the season when he was settling for a lot of long twos, like everyone was, and then those threes. So that's when he's at his best. I like that unit with him, Rozier, and Hayward. You know, running the second unit. I think that's their their best bet. How long, in your opinion, do you see them running with this starting lineup? Say. Baines returns or, or Horford returns in the next couple of weeks and uh and they run with the two Marcuses in that starting lineup do you see that going for you know the next month two months into the all-star break or do you see if Gordon Hayward makes improvements maybe them trying to reinsert him into the starting rotation
1: I think with the current team being the way it is I think the only change that should happen in the foreseeable future is getting Hayward back in there um but that that also causes problems, because I feel like the 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 reason the bench works at least the way it did during the eight game streak is because you're pairing Hayward with Rozier, and that allows I mean at least for most sets when Rosier is not dominating the ball, yeah. it allows for better uh, offensive movement and offensive action. So I think that so when you take Hayward out, it, it kind of creates an issue with the bench, especially if Jalen and Terry both struggle. So, I mean, it's a really complex issue that Brad's you know, it's much smarter than I am, so he's going to have fun figuring that out. But I think I, I personally really like the Kyrie Irving-Marcus Smart pairing because it doesn't pair Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier <laughs> together. Because when those two play together, Marcus should be on ball pretty much every set, and Terry should be off ball, but that's not what happens, at least in my opinion. So it, it's tough to... Stuff to balance that. I think that if Jalen goes back to being the way he was, like the during that three game stretch where he was like dropping twenty, twenty, twenty each game, um, it, it could work bringing Hayward back in. But I mean, things are great the way they are. I just it's not a permanent solution. But I think that until we get some a, a lot of wins under our belt because we're kind of we're struggling right now. So I think until we get a lot of wins under our belt, then we can. We, we should stick with what we have until we have like the luxury to be able to experiment a little bit because because we we really do need to secure like home court advantage at least.
2: Yeah, and so. I I I 100% agree with the Terry Rozier dynamic where he is, I think he's significantly better off the ball. And I and I thought it was interesting when they initially changed these lineups. I thought that would be my main focus, but it kind of worked with Marcus Smart. He he was on the ball a decent amount with Kyrie Irving working off the ball, and it just opened a lot of flexibility for Brad Stevens, but. I agree. If you do move Hayward back into that starting lineup, where does Terry go with that second unit? Because he is, you know, he can be a point guard. We saw it last year during the playoff run, but when he becomes, it goes through these ball dominant stretches, his shot selection kind of goes away and it's just not, it's not peak Terry like we want to see. So, so that, that, that will be, you know, interesting to kind of monitor down the line.
0: Today's show was also brought to you by Blue Chew. Guys, you remember those days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get a little extra confidence in bed just by going to BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue, blueche chewcom Brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know... They work. You can take them anytime, day or night, or even a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, (laughs) I gotta be honest with you guys. Uh, it's maybe in the works. Did I get some of this? I don't really know. I don't really need this, but it was, you know, you always have to kind of do it in your own. Like, uh, they always want a little testimonial, right, attached to these ad reads. And I thought it'd be a fun idea to maybe give it a shot. See how it goes? I'll let you know as time progresses. Trust me. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. I can get embarrassing sometimes. So no in-person doctor's visit. No waiting in the pharmacy. Best of all, we all know this, no more awkwardness. And since they're made in the USA and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Go and look up what some of these pills cost. They are outrageous. Trust me. This is a much more viable and cost friendly way to go about this, folks. And right now we got a special deal for our listeners. This is bluechew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code good at checkout. Just pay the five bucks to ship it to you. That's blue, blue 2com promo code good. Try for free. Get that five dollar. All you do is pay for the five dollar shipping. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast.
2: Now we got to go just very briefly. I am personally not a fan of doing this during the season. I I would love if this conversation could just end. But I want to talk Anthony Davis very briefly. Just very (laughs) very briefly. Of course, the Celtics cannot acquire him until uh, until excuse me, Kyrie Irving's contract is. You know, re-upped this offseason. If you have any questions about that and you're listening to it, go talk to Keith Smith. He would love, he would love to answer all of your questions about that. What, also, while you... you're
1: at it, ask him about the injury exception.
2: Yes, ask him about the designated player Yeah, perfect. It, it's all of his favorite questions. Just run it run <laughs> by Keith. He'll talk to you all day about that. Uh, I'm kidding. Please don't. He too many people. He, he has done that with far too many people. He's written too many posts. That man is a saint for writing as much as he did about both of these topics. But on Anthony Davis, right now, the Celtics are in an interesting spot. Obviously, they have loads of assets. Some of these draft picks aren't necessarily going to be as high as they had maybe thought. At least where the standings stand right now, the way the season has gone thus far. As opposed to the playoffs last year, do you see any of these guys, these younger assets as maybe a little more expendable than you did at you know during the playoffs last year? Where do you stand in, in you know maybe shelling off a few of these guys?
1: Here's the thing though when, when we when we see guys struggle, it, it you know the initial reaction at least the hot tick reaction is to be like all right you know we're going to ship him out for Anthony Davis, but like the team executives in New Orleans are also seeing the same guys struggle right like yeah. so so we're all we you know we're sitting here like oh man Tara was here's having a terrible season i hope somebody pays him 20 mil like if he's <laughs> having a terrible season <laughs> what team is i mean obviously there are team executives who make bad decisions sometimes but like the likelihood drops down with every time we say oh we should trade him because because yeah. he's doing poorly so it's it's just weird that that you know we're like oh man uh, Jalen Brown's having a terrible season we should send him in a headlining a package for Anthony Davis the greatest big man in basketball like, <laughs> there, there's like a disconnect there that's a, very,
2: that's a very valid very valid disconnect I, 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 that's very good you know not a lot of people have pointed that out it's almost like we're all the experts on Twitter but we're hoping that no <laughs> GMs are watching the Celtics games or maybe no one's listening to us on Twitter but It's a good point. They're seeing the exact same things. I've seen a lot of people, obviously there's those jump conclusions like, ah, Jalen stinks. You know, get rid of him. It's ridiculous, of course. But I I kind of do understand people who are saying, you know, this time last year I don't think I would have traded a Jalen Brown or even a Terry Rozier or any of these guys for someone like Anthony Davis in my opinion I think that's crazy to just shoot that down no matter how well they're playing because it's it's Anthony Davis I mean this guy—he's the best
1: big in basketball
2: by far yeah in my opinion so like you're ridiculous to shoot that down no matter how well they're playing but right. I kind of do get people who are changing their tune a little bit because this season has shown some deficiencies but we all knew they were there it was just they played nearly perfect basketball during the playoffs last year
1: right I think uh it, it's it's tough because, like, okay, so it, just taking the your example, right? So yeah. we know that he can he can play well, and he can shoot well, and he can take care of the ball. But like, we all groan about how he can't run the pick and roll and hit the roll man. Yep. Like, professional scouts are going to pick that up. They're going to see that. They're, like, we're we're not like geniuses for noticing this one thing over and over again. And like, but the guys, hey, you like, and I are pretty period.
2: smart. Cut us some slack. Yeah. Okay. We're fair, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <We're>, <laughs> But like the people that get paid big money to to notice these things, obviously notice them. Yeah. So, but I I agree with you that it'd be kind of insane to, to like any I would I would trade one for one anyone on our roster for for except for Marcus Smart for Anthony Davis naturally so, naturally <laughs> so I but obviously everything has to come at the right cost I don't i i've already the reason why i don't really talk about anthony davis much is because in my head i've already convinced myself that he's never going to be a topic and that way i i just eliminate all kinds of anticipation expectation anxiety all that kind of stuff i just have told myself he's just not going to be a Celtic, and yeah, i don't you're see you're smart
2: it. you're smart i was trying to do that and and i'd stayed away from this conversation completely and for some reason in the last like 2 weeks I've just gotten sucked into all of it. It's like I I yeah. don't know what I don't know what changed and who got to me or whatever happened, but suddenly I am far too involved in my mind of this discussion. But if you're like the Lakers, you got to make this ultimate push at the trade deadline to try and get him so you don't even give Danny Ainge a chance. Of course the Pelicans, right. the Pelicans aren't going to do that because they know the assets that sit up here in Boston. So they're, they're not going to go that way. But they're if gonna you're the Lakers, to
1: you yeah. want
2: yeah, to leverage right away.
1: Yeah, and they can until the summer, and all the other teams know it. So I, Anthony Davis is definitely not going to get traded, like, at the deadline or anything. No. But this summer, we're going to hear – and this is going to be the most annoying summer of all time. Oh, okay, I'm glad horrible. I'm glad that Kyrie took a little bit of the drama out by telling us what he's going to do. But, like, this, this summer is going to be so frustrating. I might just, like – turn off my internet for the next, for like the entire month of July. That would just probably because,
2: save you in a mental capacity. It would save me, man. I I should definitely uh, do that.
1: Because <laughs> yeah. I already know that it's going to be some like July 1st, somebody's going to be like, "Oh, the Celtics are 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 hot on pursuing Anthony Davis" and, and then oh, some other team God. is going to be rumored and it's just going to be back and forth leveraging assets and meanwhile Danny's going to be in like Cancun. Like <laughs> taking his annual
2: vacation yeah he'll be taking his annual vacation while all of his all of his scouting team is up in freezing cold canada watching some (laughs) some small forward work up there all right so before i before i let you go i'll get you out of here on this give me a bucks pick for tonight and give me a no offense to the hornets of course they play the hornets on sunday but and then a christmas day pick against the sixers uh
1: Celtics sweep all three I love it.
2: I love it. That's the confidence we need. That's the confidence we love. Doxy, I appreciate you coming on. You can check out all of his stuff on Celticsblog.com. What's your Twitter handle? Let's plug that as well.
1: It is literally my name. It is literally
2: Andrew Doxy on Twitter. Give him a follow. He's a great Celtics follow. Doxy, thanks for coming on, man.
1: Thanks for having me.